0: Thank you for listening to the Highlander Podcast, where we have conversations about the past, present, and future of the outdoor industry. Thanks to Utah State University's Outdoor Product Design and Development Program for making it possible and for training the future product leaders of the outdoor industry. Learn more about the program at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive. A collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the History of Gear, Martin Keane, the founder of Keene, talks about the origins of the company, the development of the Newport sandal, which would revolutionize water shoes, and footwear as tools for your feet. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Highlander podcast. My name is Chase, and uh, joining me today on our History of Gear series um, is Martin Keane. And thanks to Sydney Keane, we are able to have this conversation today um, <laughs> after some, some tech issues. So Martin, thanks for taking the time. Sydney, thank you. For making this happen. Martin, thanks for joining me. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, I, I just appreciate you taking the time. Um, again, took us a minute to get to this point, but um, as a part of our History of Gear series, we're trying to document the history of all things outdoor products. Um, and we feel like it's an industry that really hasn't been super well documented. Um, and it's not often that we get to dive into the history of a, a more recent footwear company that really came onto the scene and brought real innovation and something new to the table. And um, we'll probably talk a little bit about that as well, right? It's like the challenges of of bringing a new footwear to market and starting a new yeah. footwear company. It doesn't happen that often. So, I mean, what what you've done is truly remarkable and, and uh, we appreciate you Kind of walking us through how how this all happened and how it all came to be but before we get into that i you know just want to learn a little bit more about your connection to the outdoors um you know we, a, a lot of the founders that we've talked to they have some connection to the outdoor industry before they even discover that product is a thing um they're focused on the sport or the recreation the activity and then they discover product and this whole business behind it is was that the case for you it, Did outdoor lead you into product or was it product that led you to outdoor?
1: Um, I mean, it's kind of a combination. I, what led me to this product that was the basis for what became Keen was a product that I personally knew that I needed because I love sailing. I'm a competitive sailboat racer and I found that I don't like wearing shoes or boots. Um, I, wanna, I wanted to wear sandals, but there was nothing available that offered any sort of toe protection. And with sailing, especially if you're competing against other boats, small, you know, generally pretty small boats, I'm sailing two, three, four, five-person boats. I don't do a lot of keelboat racing. But dinghy sailing, uh, your toes are pretty vulnerable if you're wearing sandals. So um, I didn't think I would want to get into the shoe industry, but I – I knew that I needed a better tool for my feet, and that's where it all came from really it was so it was it did come from a sport that I loved and I wanted to be a better competitor and I felt that the equipment you wore, life jacket, you know harness you know the safety gear and footwear for grip and protection uh, you know were were key components of uh, of being a better competitor in the in the network yeah.
0: so you're participating in recreation. did you fully understand that there was a whole Business and a whole whole industry when you were participating in these activities or is that something that came later on
1: initially no i mean the first the first sandals that i used i mocked up myself i bought some teva sandals and i mocked up like ducked up duct tape toe box in the front and my friends you know they they sort of worked they fell apart after a short period of time but you know i i showed my friends like this is a great idea you know this was early on this is when i was still in college really and so i i knew that there was there was a need for this i didn't really think oh i'm going to start a shoe company uh um, right. this was you know this was
0: 40 years ago probably. right when i first had the first you know the initial idea right sure yeah. um, i i know um y- you also have some experience but i mean prior to this pri- you had exposure to the footwear industry um yeah. i mean it, was there any pressure to to get into footwear uh, yeah, I know as your your father worked in footwear was there pressure to to go into the footwear space or is that something that you just kind of came to naturally or found interest in um I mean I was
1: aware of the, the industry because I had helped him at a young age with some small projects um and so I, I was aware of the industry I didn't find it fascinating mm-hmm. it wasn't you know I studied industrial design in school and I felt you know designing um uh, objects that we carry around, you know, not, it was you know, really before the cell phone. Uh, but, you know, objects that we use all the time, I didn't really think about footwear because my I was, I guess, in a sense, so close to it that you, you sort of reject to some degree what uh, what is close to you uh, sometimes. So I, I didn't really think I'd get into the industry. I think when I finished college, I didn't get a job right away. And my father's like, oh, you know, let me get you in, set up with an interview with somebody. So I... I took an interview based on his suggestion and so that's how I ended up getting into the into the shoe business. Reluctantly. Reluctantly.
0: Yeah. What what type of footwear was your father working on and what, what was he doing?
1: Uh he was well, he he was um English. I was born in the UK. Um and he was living in Southwest England, Somerset, working for Clarks of England. Uh, he had uh he was quite talented, he had gone to art school, wanted to be an artist, an art teacher. Found that he wasn't a great teacher, great artist, but he ended up to make money. He ended up getting a job working for Clark's and he became a pattern maker and then teaching people, teaching workers how to cut patterns for the, for uh, the, you know, Clark's desert boot, uh, the Wallaby. Um, the Wallaby was one that he actually, uh, he, he cut the original pattern for uh, that, oh, wow. that back in 1956. So that was, that's quite a well-known product so you know i i had that peripheral knowledge of the shoe business and i sort of had it in my blood because of my father um and i wasn't terribly reluctant to get into the industry
0: it was it's, it was interesting to me for sure right yeah. right i i think you mentioned this when we were talking before we were recording like I mean, the, the DNA of Keen, I think, is an interesting combination of, of some of your interests, right? It's that yeah. experience in water sports combined with yeah. the utility that industrial design focuses on and the function. And, right. and yeah. is, I mean, in your words, is that, was that kind of the DNA of what then became Keen, that focus on utility, but also more of the water-based yeah. activities?
1: It, I, I was, it was a very selfish thing. I created something that I wanted for myself to be a better competitor, to feel more protected. I, I love German shoes. I love the, the, the width of German shoes. I felt most American shoes were too narrow. And I think we're realizing now a lot of women in particular are, have so many issues with, with deformed feet. Um, I remember when I started the company doing a lot of research on uh, various uh, tribes around the, the country, around the world. That um, different people that didn't wear footwear ever, and I found um, I actually visited this group in in Borneo, at one of one of my trips. I was in Indonesia working for um, Saucony. I was working as a running shoe designer, and I took a trip to Borneo because I wanted to meet these people and see their feet because I I seen pictures of them, and they you know you you've seen little babies' feet and their toes are spread like this, and these people's feet at full you know full grown age they'd never worn shoes or if they had, they were very minimalist sandals and they had these very healthy feet that were like baby's feet with their toes spread like this. And, you know, our feet are, are, are all squeezed together uh, because we've deformed them with these narrow shoes. So I was very interested in creating a, a product that was healthy for your feet or healthier, wider for your feet as well.
0: It, I feel like that idea of barefoot running, it's it's like, a mo- seems like, like it's a more recent phenomenon, but I mean this is something you were thinking about much much earlier i mean is, is, would you say that you were one of the early people that was kind of ex- exploring those ideas were others thinking about that at the time is, uh, there were, were there I mean, other companies doing that
1: yeah there were the minimalist you know where i think vibram started around the same time tony post uh developing the vibram five fingers sure uh, i think that was around the same time i knew tony quite, i know tony quite well and he knew him well at the time. Um, so it was probably around the same same time. I know there's a lot more of that coming out now. There's a lot of a lot of companies that are sort of mimicking that same idea because so many people are realizing this issue uh, that they've you know they've deformed their feet and now they it's a little bit late to you know later in in life to sort of all of a sudden put on these wider feet and you know, these wider shoes. Um, but it's good. It's better for your toes
0: if you have you know greater movement uh, for sure. Right. Right. Um, what, you talked about, I mean, when you were looking for products for sailing, you you took other existing water shoes at the time. What was the state of, kind of the water shoe market when you were looking to find products? You men- mentioned Teva. Like, wh- were, What were the other companies or or other footwear that existed at the, the time that you tested, found inspiration from, um, yeah. you know, as, as you were kind of exploring this idea?
1: I mean, specifically for sailing, it was… There were, you know, obviously the the leather uh, Sperry topslider, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, is a uh, is a very well known product, and it's been mimicked by so many other other brands. It, you know, it was really more about the siping on the sole. So I was inspired by the siping, and siping is uh, the underside of the rubber. And if you remember looking at a uh, one of those, it's basically it's just cut. There's die cut. Uh, wavy siping in the underside of the sole. And what that does, it mimics a dog's paw. And a dog's paw doesn't have skin. It has these fibers uh, that move as they, um, you know, j- jump onto a slippery rock. And so there's much better grip. So in a sense that it was trying to mimic that idea of grip by having this rubber that would deflect and create a, like a sharp edge. That you would be able to, you know, have better grip on a wet, wet surface. So that was going on. Um, plus the minimalist running, the you know, the simple—I can't remember the name of the uh, company. It was basically just a piece of leather with a very simple lace. It was complete barefoot running early on, and that ha- that was happening in, I think, well before. I think it was maybe in the seventies. So that was happening, um, and I, I, you know, I knew to, I knew that I wanted something that had protection. Because again, when you're sailing, you're watching the competition. Uh, when you're competing, you're watching the competition, watching the water, the wind on the water. And you're not really watching where you're going on the boat and your toes are pretty vulnerable uh, on a boat. So I wanted to have toe protection as well and, and create, create a wide footprint. So that that's why our, our footwear is so broad.
0: I think that that uh focus on utility is really interesting, and that in, the industrial design influence really shines through um as I've talked with other founders and creators of you know inventors of of uh d- different outdoor products it's it's we've kind of traced like you know in the early days of the outdoor industry, there wasn't a lot of training it was Bad climbers right who are who just making stuff because they needed it right which I see elements of that in what you were doing um you know creating something for for sailing um but but as the industry kind of continues on as the years pass you start to see innovators who come with specific training or come from outside the industry people like uh, Jack Stevenson who helped kind of bring aerodynamic tents to the industry, and he came from aerospace, right? You you get these people who are coming in from with different skill sets and, yeah. and different different training. Um, so that's what I think is is really interesting about your story, right? It's there's that that dirt bag element of like the yeah. the user combined with kind of you know industrial design, which is yeah. traditionally not seen a lot of in the outdoor industry. Uh, it, that's changed, of course, now. But yeah. um, but bringing that industrial design focus and focus on utility i think is a really interesting combination yeah yeah originally,
1: yeah originally i mean i wanted to call you know i called it uh i think one of my tagline was keen tools for your feet because I, I wanted it to, in a sense be a tool that you would put on and feel comfortable feel like you could be more adventurous you didn't have to cons- you know worry about you know you're still wearing sandals but you don't have to worry about your toes and you, ha- you know you ha- it has good fit I cast a lot of feet to develop the last shape um, for Keen, the Keen product. Uh, so I knew that the fit was right. Um, but yeah, I think it was uh, just something that sort of came together at the right time. Um, you know, when I finished college, was aware of this, this the industry, and I got into uh, you know, I got into the industry as a consultant and realized a particular thing that I needed.
0: So you ended up working for a couple companies before you ended up launching your own. Um, I mean, what, what what were some of those experiences like? What were lessons learned from you know working for other foot brands footwear brands at the time? You were at Saucony and then K Swiss.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, Saucony. I was there for I think almost three years in Peabody, Mass. Um, I enjoyed that. It was my first footwear experience. I I went to. I think it was my first time. I got to go to Taiwan, Korea, and China, um, so I, I enjoyed it. I was a runner; I still am. I'm I'm still athletic. Uh, I, I appreciated the heritage of the product. Um, uh, it was, you know, it, I think halfway through my my uh, my time there, I was I was like, sure, do I want to be in the shoe business? And I ended up um, thinking oh, I want to be a yacht designer. So I, I don't know. I was kind of going through. A uh, time where I, you know, should I stay in the industry? Because it, it didn't, it wasn't the ideal for me. Um, but I think it was because I didn't have, I was working for someone else. I didn't, I, I wanted to create my, I wanted to bring this idea uh, out to, you know, uh, out to the populace. And and you know, whether it had my name on it or not, uh, it's something I didn't necessarily want to give the idea to an existing brand.
0: Yeah, yeah what what goes into creating a footwear company i, I again I, we talked about this before we started recording but you don't see many footwear companies that last mm. pun intended right yeah. um there, there's not that many footwear companies that come around that that stick around yeah um, and, and I imagine starting up a footwear company is a, is a significant challenge. I'm and there's probably a number of reasons behind that, but I've heard some people talk about, well, there's a range of sizes that you have to design for. And, and, and that's a, a very significant challenge when you're starting a footwear company is the, the amount of product that you have to have. And yeah. it's almost as if you're designing, you're not designing one shoe you're designing, you can't just scale it up, right? You're, you're designing a whole range of sizes. Um, what are some of the uh, the challenges that go into getting something like that off the ground
1: uh it it is yeah it is does sound seem completely daunting for sure um i think it, it didn't happen after the first company i'd worked for i'd worked you know after i, I left Saucony, i went to work for k-swiss out in california i got a lot more experience there and then i i I left that job and I became a consultant in the industry so I, mm. I i then I worked for a quite a number of different companies at the same time mm. so I got to see how how these different industries worked and a lot of them used um agents that would basically be their uh their development arm you would bring the idea to them in complete you know, you know, almost complete form and they could find factories, they could help you to uh, get into uh, various manufacturing facilities in different countries. Uh, Obviously, I, like most people, I wanted to make the product locally, that wasn't going to happen in the US. So I ended up going, uh, we initially uh, developed our product in Taiwan and China. Um, And I worked with a, I, I was lucky enough to find a partner that had built a number of uh, he had built factories for Teva. He had built uh, more production for Teva overseas as well. Uh, he had built production in for a number of different brands. I think he was working at the time, uh, what's the outdoor brand? I, I'm trying to think the other brand he was working for at the time, where again, he was acting as an agent. So somebody would bring the idea to him. He would help to implement it in you know fine factory. Uh, Fine factories but obviously he also had an interest in what i had created he was looking for uh i think his own brand because he had been working for a number of different companies uh and you know was taking a margin from every pair sold but he didn't have ownership of the brand or you know if there was great success so i think uh my partner at the time was was uh we had a synergy in that way. I had this I had this idea that I knew was gonna be successful and I found a partner that could make it successful because he had he had already had some track record doing it. So that's that was a perfect that was a perfect marriage there. Yeah.
0: That's great. And this is all happening is ninety-nine? Is that when I guess
1: uh, yeah, we started developing in uh what was it? Um ninety-nine Ninety eight, ninety-nine. Yeah, we launched in nine is it ninety, ninety-one, ninety-two? one? Ninety two. Let me look on the back of the catalog. Oh three, I guess we launched in oh three. That's right. It, it, we started out um, it, it took out that much time to sort of develop the product. It was right. I think I, it was right after nine eleven. So I had um nine eleven was a huge impact on a lot of people. I was working for a lot of different brands. I got laid off from two of the companies I was working for. And at that point, I kind of made the decision. I'd already, I'd had this idea and had built prototypes uh, years before and had not, uh, not had the wherewithal to go out and find a partner to help me to actually launch Keen Brand. Um, so, uh, I think at that moment, um, yeah, 9-11 was something it really, that's really, I think that was the. What pushed me? Because I was either going to start something completely different and get out of the shoe business. I honestly was kind of burned out, but I had this idea and I had to find a partner. I think I was driven by what happened at 9-11. And I had two kids at that point. You just met Sydney. She was three at the time, four at the time. And my son was just born. So I had these two young children I brought into the world. And 9-11 happens. <laughs> You know, a lot of changed a lot of people. That changed what you ended up doing for work um, because of that event. And for me, I just I realized I wanted to get out of the industry. I was a little burned out, but I wanted to get out with a piece, with a piece of it, and and make a mark and literally put my name out there. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. It was around. It was right after nine eleven when I met uh, my partner Rory, and. Uh, that's that's when we started rolling, and it was great because the first show we went to, uh, the outdoor retailer show, was very affected by um, by nine eleven. People weren't bringing new product to market. There had been a you know a depress- depression of of development, I think, because people were wondering what the world stood for anymore. <laughs> and so we we came out with this interesting idea that just blew up right away.
0: And this is an idea you were sitting on since you started sailing in college.
1: I, I had built prototypes. Yeah. Un, you know, unbeknownst to me that I would eventually create a company around this initial idea. But some of my my early uh, product that I mocked up again, I think I mentioned this to you earlier. i I'd, I'd I loved wearing Teva sandals, but I felt my toes were pretty vulnerable on a boat. Yeah. And uh i just started creating this strange duct tape uh toe box um so I, it was basically it was a teva sandal with this big hunk of ugly duct tape on the front and a lot of my friends made fun of me but you know i could i felt like i had a little more protection at the time so yeah i i had developed early prototypes and you know ha- had the idea from you know back in college and had just over the over the years continued to work on the idea and then eventually you know when 911 happened and I found a partner that's really that was the impetus for it
0: it's it's interesting thinking you know fast forward to when the company launches utility boots and and yeah. footwear mm-hmm. you know at 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 first glance you don't see the connection between water shoes and oh. utility boots, but that, that toe box is, it, that's kind of the DNA of, of all of this. It like encapsulates a lot of the value, right?
1: Yeah. Again, I, it's tool, you know, I, I consider it tools for your feet. You know, we wear gloves, we wear specific gloves to do certain types of work and we wear specific boots to do certain type of, and, and sandals now with, you know, for certain types of work or, or sport
0: we see this among our students at, at times where there's a resistance towards designing clothing right or apparel and and footwear as mm-hmm. a part of that um there's there's almost people draw this line between clothing apparel things that you wear on your body versus all other consumer products and yeah. i love this idea of like footwear as equipment footwear yeah. as a tool and and clothing can be that too i mean there's companies like arcteryx that and black diamond black diamond equipment yeah makes climbing harnesses and skis, but they call their clothing equipment as well, um, which I think is kind of an interesting concept, interesting idea, and that focus on the function, the utility. Um, uh, What was the feeling getting such... uh, Maybe it didn't feel immediate at the time. It looks immediate kind of looking at the history, but in 2003, product launches and you get launch of the year, you know, from footwear news, you get some pretty public validation right off the bat did it feel immediate did it feel like we have a hit right off the bat yeah okay yeah
1: i mean i I sensed it at the show i mean i have some photos i'll send you of uh just the the sales reps at you know they're you know they're just like anyone else they're looking for the, the latest thing we had so many sales reps around more almost more sales reps wanting to pick up our product to you know represent us than. uh uh, than individual buyers finding this. So, you know, it was something, it was the right product at the right time. And we found great representation because it was a good product, a really good product. And it was something that was needed. It was missing in the market. So and we then- uh, we knew right away. Yeah. And at, at know, the time? Nordstrom and, and REI, when you're in those, those are your first two buyers. You know, you're, you know, you're heading down the right path.
0: Absolutely. And at the time, where was the company based? Cause now we know companies in Portland, where were you at the time?
1: Uh, I was, I've been out here in Jameson, Rhode Island. I've been here okay. for almost 30 years now. So my studio has been here, um, for, for 30 years. Um, and again, mostly I was doing footwear prior. Now I'm, I'm doing a lot, a lot of sculpture. I did a lot. I launched a, a furniture company, um, but I was, I've always been based here. I don't want to, I don't want to leave Jamestown. I love it. I love Rhode Island. It's a, it's a quirky little state. Um, but it's Newport is five minutes from here and it's the best sailing in the world. Right. So I, I race at least three days a week, uh, sailing small boats, big boats. And so I'm not going anywhere, but Rory was based in Menlo park. Uh, that's where his initial development office was. Rofu was the name of his company. Um, so we kind of you know commuted kind of back and forth there, and then would obviously work overseas
0: uh with yeah and the, so and then the company relocates to Portland in two thousand six,
1: yeah, initially we started an office in in Alameda um near uh, in san, you know across the bay from san francisco uh and then oh six I think uh, the building was acquired uh, up in Portland,
0: yeah, and I think I mean. The story is is pretty well known around acquiring that five-story building um and the goal to be to you know if we were going to throw anything away it's whatever fits in one dumpster or we're going to limit it to one dumpster and you all did that um i mean that kind of epitomizes what i think a lot of people feel about keen this very conscious responsible company um, very intentional. Um, I mean, where, where did that come from? Was, was that a lot of, I know you talk more recently about like the un, un, unintended consequences of consumer product design. And yeah. um, I mean, was that something you were thinking about as the company was getting settled in Portland and, and was that baked into the company since the early days and where did that come from?
1: I, I think both Rory and I felt that yeah, we wanted to do the right thing as far as uh for the product and the values of the company um reflected the our values i mean i've always been a very uh you know i'm always been a conservationist um love the outdoors i you know consumerism is something that has destroyed uh to large part the uh the environment uh you know rampant consumerism i wanted to make product that's why our you know, our shoes last so long. I mean, a pair of, you, you know, you spend $100 on a pair of sandals, you get 10 years out of them or more. That's great. Uh, so it's always been baked into the product. I always wanted the product to be as durable as product as, as possible. Uh, and I think that it was just natural that anything the company did should be of similar uh, attitude, I suppose. You know, trying to trying to do the right thing to give a good not just to give a good feeling to the to our consumer but just to do the right thing i think just to do the right thing and it just it's natural that people will will want to be part of it
0: that idea is so commonplace now whether whether companies are really in, in fully embracing that idea and and walking that walking the talk is uh, is is a, something we can talk about but um it's something that's so commonplace now that the outdoor companies, in particular, talk about that. I mean, what was the state of this conscious approach to business when you were launching Keen and and you know setting up that office in Portland? I, was there that sense across the industry when you went to outdoor retailer? Were were those conversations people were having?
1: Uh, some brands, I mean, Yvon Chouinard, obviously, sure. he he was always very much focused on that, and I. I met him. Uh, I think it was our first show. He came into our booth and said, "You know, I I I want this product in my stores around the country, around the world." So uh, I was flatt- I was so flattered by that, and I've always followed what he what he's done, and have uh, admired his uh, his work and his his attitude, his his conservation uh, bent towards conservationism. So, um, yeah, I think uh, there weren't a lot of. Companies, it was more, how quickly can we make money? There's a lot of, you know, a lot of companies' attitude. And I, I this product had my name on it. I, will, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do the wrong thing. Yeah. I, <laughs> fortunately, oh. fortunately, my name is in the dictionary. So it's, I didn't, it, I also didn't want it to be about me. Um, But it was, a, you know, a good utilitarian name to, to have on the product.
0: That was another question that I had that I wanted to ask is, uh, we see that a lot in in a lot of the early outdoor companies there's there's you know it's the founders that put their name on the company jerry mountaineering holyabar some of these key outdoor abercrombie and fitch right i mean there's um in the early days of the industry and and kind of the boom years of the 70s that there's a lot of companies you know that that put their founder's name on it and and you know and then you have the patagonias and the north faces and um it's a conscious decision to do that. I guess what went into that decision? You kind of alluded to that now, but what goes into that decision to put, attach your name to something? Uh, there's You kind of put yourself on the line a little bit in in some ways or in your reputation, but I don't know. Maybe well, it didn't feel that way.
1: Yeah, I, again, my name is, it's a it's a word in the dictionary. So, uh, you know, it was, it, it's never, it was never been about me. I've been, I was a creator, uh, i just never you know it it was just convenient i don't know i I, i'm not an arrogant individual that wants to you know put their name on everything um it just it's a it's a good functional word i mean i'm english like i said and the word keen is, is kind of and it was a popular word in the us i think in the 50s um but you know to be keen on keen about something or you know when you when you like somebody say i'm i'm keen on her you know it's just it's a good word the, the word itself stands alone it didn't it just it was fortunate that it was also my last name and but again it it was never about me except i think in the first you know in the first catalog obviously we had a uh, you know oh, yeah. sort of the whole a little blurb but uh, again i it, i wanted it to be about the product i wanted the product to sit on the shelf and people look at it and say i need that yeah I need that in my life.
0: <laughs> well, you, you touched on this idea of, of you know, you, you build that first core product and that's the Newport sandal, right? Yeah. Um yeah. and then I, I, I always think it's interesting, right? You've got a core product and then how do you build out a company around that, right? You you can't have a company focused on just one I mean, you can have a core product, but you've got to build out from there. What did what did that look like for you? How did you how did you go from creating one product to building a line of products that would feel just as impactful um, yeah. um, and, and enable the business to grow and and help, you know, so that you could accomplish your goals as a company.
1: Well, I'll branch from the Newport. Obviously the Newport, you know, we had developed a, a last, um, again, a, so we de- developed the last shape that is, you know, nice and broad. Um, it works for boots. It works for running type product. It worked for more minimalist sandals, but again, I, I wanted all of that product to be to, to to be to be part of the original Newport. So have a little bit of toe protection, and to do a you know I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the flip flop um, that I developed. Um, it's the only flip flop you can buy that has toe protection. It's, it protects your big toe and the next toe, but it's again, it's the only flip flop you can you can accidentally kick the curb, and you're not going to be screaming. So, yeah. so it, it just branched from from that idea of a protective, broad fitting, wide fitting, um, protective product. So we obviously went into boots, you know, right away. We started doing more casual product first before we got into more technical product. Um, and by the time we'd started the utility division, I had left the company uh, and was was not was no longer doing the product. So. That's something that Rory had done. I know for many years he had built a lot of product for Wolverine for uh, a number of other, you know, competitors. What would be now be considered competitors, but, you know, before we started Keen, he had he had sourced a lot of that product. So it was natural to kind of go into those those sort of realms, more technical product, right, right.
0: Um- are there key moments over the last, I mean, few years that you were you were with the company? Um, you know, from that starting moment, that that, that first launch, um, throughout, like key moments, key innovations, moments you're proud of that that stand out to you as you think about your time, like in that capacity at 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 the company.
1: Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think getting that uh, Footwear News Award was was obviously great to be, you know, launch of the year. Um, to be recognized by Yvonne Chouinard was flattering to me. You know, uh, to, he, he said, I want these in all of my stores. <laughs> that, you know, what more do you need? I mean, that guy was, he's, he's a uh, he's a legend. So um, besides that, and just, you know, it, going to the top of the charts at REI, being some of the best best-selling product at REI, and and nordstrom so those are two quite different um i suppose retail outlets um uh, no i mean i think i don't i don't know i don't know what else uh you know I, it was just it just took off and i was just flabbergasted how, how quickly it uh i i was and i wasn't i knew that i'd put my engineering skill into it i knew the product was right all of my friends liked the product. Um, you know, a lot of people thought it was kind of ugly, but it's, I think it's so
0: ugly. It's beautiful. Um, so yeah. Um, and then at some point you step away from the company, right. And, and what does that look like? I mean, when you've worked in footwear so long, like, you know, what does that next chapter look like for you? I know you're doing a lot of interesting things right now. Um, like how do you decide when to leave something that you build Mm.
1: yeah i mean i had a bit of a falling out with my partner so he uh kind of broke a promise he made to me as far as ownership um so you know i trust i trusted my partner and you know one things go sideways uh sometimes when they're the ones putting the money in and you know you have a certain degree of control and you know so it it wasn't uh an ideal situation but at the same time i'm so grateful for what i was able to create and uh you know how how the company has done
0: so so that's 2012-ish and what what do you where, where do you go from there i you know i maybe this is a part of um you know your history that that people maybe aren't as familiar with
1: while i was designing footwear um, I, I was thinking about furniture because I, I know that, you know, footwear affects how we stand on this earth. Furniture affects how we sit and work on this earth, especially when we are working and we're focused on creating product and not thinking about our bodies and are we hurting ourselves? So I, I always hated stand. I've always hated sitting and I have, you've noticed I just can't got up from my chair and the difference between have you seen the product that I developed No. Um, oh. focal so I started this company so that now i'm now I'm sitting in it so it's it's basically it's a standing chair yeah uh, so i i I love working standing up, but I find standing is a little bit tiring after some after a while but i I wanted to create this perch, so I'd actually bought uh i draw i bought a drafting table that had a a top that I could. Change the angle of uh, so I could have a little bit more, you know, the desk presenting itself to me—not just a flat, high top, but I could tip it, you know, tip it uh, towards me. And then I—I I got an old tractor seat, which is sort of a, uh, you know, shaped like the like your backside, and put it on mounted on a leg, so it was sort of leaning forward, and I was able to lean back against this thing and remain standing. While working, so it was sort of a, a leaning seat. So again, I uh, I created this this function very functional footwear um, company, and I wanted to do something more for the rest of your body. So I wanted to do I wanted to create this this. And standing desks have become quite popular as of recent. And actually, when I was launching, they had, you know people a lot of people are starting to use standing desks, um, but nobody had offered this this perching device allowing you to stand longer and maintain better mobility, better circulation, uh, not giving you back pain. So that's what I, that's what I got into. I launched a uh, company called Focal Upright and I ended up selling that maybe five, de- five years after we launched it to, to a company in, in the Midwest and they're still manufactured in Wisconsin and Iowa and Number number of other places, it's it's actually become bigger in Europe than it has here. Hmm. But there are a lot of people that love to use this this product because it's again it's healthy for your body. And I again I created tools for your feet, and I felt like furniture really should be cooperative. It shouldn't be uh, something that harms you over time, like narrow shoes have. So I felt it was a good it was a good. Uh, Segway, I suppose. And again, I'm an industrial designer. I, I never really, uh, I didn't really want to go into the shoe business because my dad was in it early on. I got into it, made some success of that, and then uh, obviously now, uh, you know, then started this, this furniture company.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I, again, I, I want to go back to this idea of um, unintended consequences in product design is, and I imagine that's something that you, you must think about so much when it comes to footwear and when it comes to furniture, because there are long, long-term impacts that, that, that can, you know, that can affect your body, right. When you're yeah. wearing the wrong pair of shoes. And, and I think the education around footwear is, is a challenge, right. The, the average consumer, I mean, there's, let's be realistic, right. I, I, I don't do as much research into the footwear I should be wearing as I, probably should right i i buy what looks good and what feels good in the moment but what feels right. good in the moment may not be good for my body long term and probably the same could be said of footwear or of, of furniture um i mean maybe can you share some more thoughts on, on that as 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 you think about the products that you create and the impacts that they can have uh, i'm curious your your perspective on that
1: uh well i mean it's, i never thought of going into footwear until i you know, created this idea for myself. So it was a very selfish reason for for getting in, for creating Keen. It was also a very selfish reason creating this this furniture brand uh, because I, I wanted to help myself. I wanted to help myself physically. I didn't want to harm myself. And I knew that if I, as a human, were, fe- were having those concerns, that a great number of other workers who are sitting at desks Staring, you know, staring at a screen, sitting down all day. Um, we're having the same issues, and so I want, you know, I wanted to help myself selfishly, but I knew that other people would would find benefit in the same thing. A lot of people, and a lot of people at the time when I launched the the furniture company uh, were buying standing desks, so uh, yeah, it, it, the timing was was perfect. So yeah, I guess it's just you know being conscious of what you're using and how you're using it. And do you feel good doing it? Do I feel like I'm better working when I'm sitting down all day? Do I feel like I'm better working when I'm standing? Or is it somewhere in between? I want to be leaning, still upright, still with your, your legs moving all day, you know, bearing some of your weight on your legs, but not all of it. So it was experimentation, uh, but I knew it felt right for me. And I, I knew if it felt right for me, it would feel right for most other human beings. And trying to change that... Uh, you know that standard of it was it, it was tough getting into to large companies where the ergonomists only knew the standing posture and they knew the sitting down posture they did, never worked on worked with this idea of a leaning seat where you could lean back and take some of the weight off but you were still bearing some of your weight on your legs so i guess it's you know i think humans know what feels right. And if you're aware, very aware, and are able to make prototypes that allow you to try something different, and then, then that g- gives you more confidence, well, maybe there's a business here. You know. So it just sort of works that, that way. I had no intention of going into the, the, the furniture industry. Um, I just wanted to help myself and I wanted to help other people.
0: I think this idea of designing for yourself is is interesting cuz in a lot of ways we tell our design students design for others right don't uh-huh. don't focus just on yourself but I think the more appropriate way of going about that is no find pain points that that uh-huh. you encounter but make sure that you can validate that with other people. So it's don't design just for yourself. It's no design for yourself, but ensure that, that it's, there's a, there's a market there. And, and I like the way that you said that if you are feeling some type of discomfort or pain point, it is likely that, that others are, are encountering that, but it's a matter of finding those people and validating with them as well. Not just solely living in your own head. I imagine. Yeah. And I actually
1: built the first prototype for
0: focal Well, before I started Keen,
1: I was working for a lot of different brands as a consultant at one point, and I had so much work, and I needed to be able to process all that work quickly. And I felt sitting down didn't work for me. Standing was tiring after a period of time. So I I made it just so I could be a better worker. I created this prototype, so I could be a better worker. And then I, after launching my own shoe company, uh, realized, oh, well, maybe I can launch a furniture company as well um so yeah one thing led to another and if you just i I think if you're just aware of your body and what works and if you have the wherewithal to build a prototype or have somebody help you build a prototype um and it's great that's where that's where innovation comes from yeah absolutely
0: well i'm curious i mean you you sold your your furniture company where what 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 does your current state look like now i see a lot of Ceramics.
1: Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I I got I've always been making things with my hands. And in fact, I wanted to show you so I've always built prototypes. So obviously you know the yogi. Uh-huh. The yogi. Um and again, these so I've always made you know, I would come up with the idea, I would sketch it, and then I would build I would build a, a prototype, and this is just made out of Bondo. Okay. Yeah. The components, the bar, the parts. Um so this was made on the you know on the last that I developed for Keen um, so i think i've i've always i've always loved working with my hands i mean sketching is one thing for, you first conceive an idea uh then you can you know sketch uh sketch the idea but to me, I wanted to almost immediately put it on my body, put it on my mm. foot, even though you know this early prototype is not flexible it's but i can. I can stand in it. I can look at it. I can imagine what it's like to be, if it were, you know, cause I know where it's going to flex, obviously the way I've designed it, it has a certain flex points. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I just, to me, I've always wanted, I, I think I've just been, uh, so turned on when I'm, I have something, some materials in my hand, uh and i I got into clay in 2009 and i've been doing ceramics thrown ceramics on the wheel hand built stuff now i'm doing larger sculpture i'm doing metal sculpture uh my industrial design professors would be disappointed because it's not utilitarian (laughs) (laughs) so i definitely i think you know i struggle with that too because i always want things that i you know in the past everything has to have a function but if you find beauty in something or in the mugs and the bowls and things that I made, obviously, there's utility. Uh, but yeah, making sculpture, it's been – I always hear my German instructors in the in the back of my head saying, what is the purpose of this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I love working with clay. I love working with all, all types of materials. I love to go from an idea to a three-dimensional thing right away instead of sketching. I find that is a really fun
0: challenge yeah oh i love that well i love the idea of that quick iteration right going from sketch to prototype that you could put on your feet and i mean that's something that we try to teach our students is that yeah. that idea of quick quick iteration so yeah. That's, yeah. that's great it's it's nice to hear that in in practice yeah uh, in, the, in the real world so well i guess what what is what are what's the next stage look like for you you're in that next stage i mean what what's what's exciting to you i know the ceramics like um what what's exciting to you in the world of design or or even just in the world of just recreation where where do you see these next few years for you
1: uh again I want to continue to explore uh sculpture I want to get bigger and bigger with with the things that I'm making um I do have a idea for a, a product um in the footwear world another Uh, Again, a corrective, more of a corrective product because we've injured ourselves. So, particularly women wearing high heels or very narrow shoes have some major injuries. So, along the lines of the you know the five fingers and those new iterations of the five fingers idea, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm interested in getting back into the shoe business. Uh, Right now, I'm having fun making useless things. Useless, it, but hopefully beautiful things.
0: Beautiful. That's the utility. Is beautiful. Yeah, that's the utility. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting that that poll of footwear. I I I have been trying to contact Mark, Mark Thatcher, who started Teva. Yeah. And I know that since he's departed the company, he's now launching a, a new footwear company. Oh, so I see. Oh, I
1: haven't, that, I haven't talked to him in a while.
0: Yeah. Well, it looks like there was an article in 2019, and uh, it looks like he was starting something new. So, um, So that, that pull is strong. It's it's not just you, apparently you can't, you can't escape it almost.
1: No, uh, it's funny. I met Mark, both Mark Pagan and Mark Thatcher, Mark Pagan who started uh, Choco. Yes. I met them this this first show, obviously, you know, a a competitor shows up at the outdoor retailer show and who's going to come by, but you know, your competitors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and I know, and I know Mark Pagan has, has started something new as well.
1: Yeah, he has. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. you can't can't stay away for too long.
1: So. No, 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 for sure. So you never know. I mean, I'm not gonna. I have. It's an idea that I may develop. I may not. It's. I. I, I personally have a need for it. So,
0: um. Well, that's proven successful in the last yeah. last couple times you've done that. So.
1: Yeah. So maybe that's why I I keep thinking of this idea and it hasn't gone away yet. So. Yeah, you well, may see
0: something come out. That's exciting, well, um I, I know that you're not one for the attention. um, but and so maybe you'll struggle with this question, but um, as you think on your your contributions to the outdoor industry, how do you view yourself in that regard? again, i I know you didn't choose the name Keen because it's your name. Um, but how do you see yourself within the larger history of the outdoor industry and and your contributions?
1: Uh, I feel very proud of of what I've accomplished. I feel so grateful when I see people all around the world wearing my product. And you know, I, I very often go up and ask them you know, where they bought it, what do they think of it. Don't necessarily say who I am, um, but I just I'm thrilled. And my my father was thrilled too because he again he he got into the shoe business early on, didn't have the same sort of success, and he was so proud of me uh, and seeing. The product all around the world so um i don't know what's what's next um i'm not exactly not not sure but i i uh yeah i, I don't know i'm very I'm, I'm thrilled i'm thrilled with what i've been able to do i'm thrilled with that so many people have are having better adventures because of the product that i've created are are uh, you know they've protected their toes you know how many toes have I protected over the you know the past twenty years? And to to build to have built um, fifty million pairs of, I mean this is the original this is the original Newport here. This is the prototype that I built. I wore this for seven eight years here. I'll put it in the light so you can so you can see it. It's basically a Newport without the the lacing system and a little bit different. So I'd worn this for. God, I think, yeah, nine or ten years before I finally got the confidence to go out and find a partner. Wow. Um, and the, the wherewithal I suppose to go out and find a partner. So um yeah, it's been a fun adventure. It really has. And I'm I'm just I'm grateful that I've been able to be a part of, you
0: know, somebody else's adventure because they love my product so much. That's amazing. Um one thing that you said um sparked another question. Um I do. I like asking this. Do you have a moment or do you remember a moment where you first saw your product out in the wild and it was worn by someone that you didn't yeah. know?
1: Yeah. What yeah. was that, what it was that actually, like? It was fantastic. It was actually my wife and I were, we had taken a ferry out to Martha's Vineyard from, uh, from Quonset, which is a, uh, where we build a lot of the nuclear submarines here in Rhode Island. Mm. Their final assembly is here. And there's a ferry that goes out to the vineyard and. We were going out to visit some of my wife's family, and there was—it was shortly after we'd launched the company, months, and I didn't even know the product had hit the shelves yet. But somebody was wearing a pair of Newports, and I—we we wow. just—it was, yeah, it was. So it was right here. It wasn't like it was in Zimbabwe or you know Finland or somewhere, but it was right, yeah, it was right here. But I hadn't given them those those shoes. I had given a lot, given away a lot of product to my friends, but this guy had bought these shoes, and I was i was thrilled
0: that's got to be a great feeling that's amazing Yeah. yeah yeah um well this has been so so great um i appreciate you taking the time um just hearing these lessons hearing these stories is 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 amazing and and you are part of an incredible uh legacy of of Gear pioneers and so we, we appreciate you being willing to share your story um and again thank you for your patience getting to this point point and sydney again yeah, yeah. to sydney yeah. for making it all happen so
1: yeah thank, we, you, thank you i mean it's been it's been fun kind of you know uh, putting all this out there and uh because again i'm kind of under the i've been under the radar and i'd like it that way yeah yeah uh, So maybe people can hear a little bit more of the story now
0: yeah well how's the best way for people to reach out to you if if you even want them to do that I know i i chatted with you on linkedin is how we connected but yeah. is there a good way for people to follow your work or stay in touch? um
1: i mean i have an instagram i don't really i'm not been active really yet uh on instagram i'm not really much of a social media kind of guy um but yeah i mean people can if you want to reach out they can send email to me okay. be fine be fine with that martin underscore keen at com. Uh, yeah that's one way to do it I, and I am in the midst of putting together keen uh, martinkeen.com so I will have a you know when I have some some bit more ceramics and more sculpture available okay. I'm just kind of getting started with this with this side of my life
0: so well but, let us know when that that website's live would love yeah, to, see, we'll I will. to share that for sure yeah. so. Well, thank you again for taking the time. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu podcast. Follow along on Instagram at usuoutdoorproduct Outdoor Product, and let us know how you're enjoying the show.